The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on the first January, first Saturday of 2022. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. There you are. Here and I am. There you are. And we are here to uh, just kind of chat you through the food trends, the healthy eating, the restaurants, the soups, the braces, everything else you want to talk about in the Twin Cities for food and fun. Uh, and of course, right now it is the time for Top 2 in Hour 2. Give him the old one, one two, one, two. And now. Weekly Dish presents Top 2, Top 2 The Top 2 Pick your best 2 In Hour 2 Alright, give me 2 with it Alright, so this is the time of the show, you guys That we talk about a couple things that we're sort of preoccupied with Things that are on our mind Can't stop thinking about, so we're bringing them to you I will start, because I think you're still Yep, flustering <laughs> I'm flustering, All right. I'm getting unflustered Get unflustered So, I want to sh- put you guys to a really great source for Southern cooking, which I don't know if you know about because I started talking about it with a friend and she was like, what are you talking about? Do you guys know about Garden and Gun magazine? Have you guys, anybody heard that? I, I have. You have. Okay. I well, think from you probably. Probably. So Garden and Gun is a magazine in the South um, and they are, I love them. I used to subscribe to them. Um, it's basically about like Southern living and bourbon and football, not football, but like just beautiful, like outdoor shots. Yeah. Just gorgeous. It's a beautiful magazine. And I think I used to subscribe to it for, because they were doing some cool food stuff and then I sort of lapsed on me. But anyway, you have a resource there, our garden and gun.com. What I love about them is that they have a, their treasure trove of Southern cooking is unbelievable. And they do, you know, the South loves their football games, right? And so they have some really great game day recipes. And this is where I'm pointing to to the pimento cheese nachos mm. from Tupelo Honey Cafe. It's a Southern classic. They take it even further south, they say. Um, and it's this great, it's, you know, this this chain based in Asheville, North Carolina, known for its spin on Southern staples, such as fried chicken BLTs, banana pudding layered pancakes, and these nachos drizzled with warm pimento cheese, which I was Yum. all about. So I've got this recipe. I'm going to post it for you guys, but I'm thinking of making it tomorrow. Pimento cheese nachos. So you make your pimento cheese, um, which is basically cheddar, mayonnaise, Dijon, dry mustard, you know, parsley, roasted red peppers, those kind of things. That's how you make it. And then it te- it talks you through like putting it on top of nachos, which is okay. great. So there you go. Their that, website's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like, and of course mine won't look like that, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> they never do. But. Uh, that's going to be my first one. So do you have, are you ready for a second one? Yeah, for your I'm first ready. One? I, I'm interested in that site. So thank you for bringing that yeah, to my attention. Yeah, good. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you are someone that is, uh, 
interested in um, Dry January, a non-alcoholic beer that has come to my attention that I had is Bajos Brew Labs Na. Yeah. And I think you might have brought it to my yeah. attention a week ago or so, yeah. or a while ago. I love it. But it's quite good. So if you're looking for a non-alcoholic beer, because that's a category that I feel like has been hard for people to find good replacements, try Na from Bauhaus Brew Labs. Also Hairless Dog. If yep. you ever, that one is a lovely one too. In the uh, Their IPA is particularly good. Yeah, I really like this. And their guys. Citra Lager. Yeah. Okay, so then my second one is going to be, I don't know if you've seen or heard of this, this short rib onion soup. It kind of went a little viral. I have seen it. Did you make it? No. Okay. So it's from Smitten Kitchen and I don't know why it went viral, but it just hit. It's like one of those recipes that like it hit at the exact right time, I think, and it was very comforting sounding. It's basically a, you know, you braise some short ribs and then you uh and then you put it in and you make it into french onion soup. So it's like this really cool sort of very comforting mashup. And I think that I didn't realize how viral it had gone. And I sort of clicked into it and I was like, oh, this is great. I think I might make this this weekend. And I had like 10 people message me being like, okay, here's how, here's what you need to do. Like they've all done it. And this is like, this That's is what funny. the things are. But I will tell you, there's a couple, I thought the kitchen did a good job of also saying, um, here's a few tips. And so I'm going to give you a couple tips. And if you are going to make it, I'll put the original recipe up and the tips. But they're saying make it a day ahead of time because it's uh, the amount of fat refrigerated and it's easier to skim off the fat, which is, you know, a bonus if you're thinking like you may want to make it for tomorrow. Um, Take your time saying half the reward of this recipe is a process of making it um, so that like don't you don't don't think about like you're going to get this in like for dinner tonight yeah, if you it's start an all it. day yeah. warming the kitchen type of affair totally my gig right swap the beef broth with chicken broth if you want something low sodium or like a little bit lighter Mm-mm. um i know this one is like eh. i judge this one the kitchen is saying i generally prefer the cleaner taste of chicken broth well then you're not really going for the richness so that's definitely something here um use less salt for the onions um Deb recommends seasoning the onions with two to three teaspoons of kosher salt. And this person is saying she'd recommend starting with just one if you don't regularly cook with diamond kosher. Um, you know, so just so you know, that might be an, an idea. And use, add more broth to make it more soupy. This is just their recommendations. Okay. So we'll see. I'm going to go and make it. Uh, I think I'm going to try to start it tomorrow afternoon. I'm not going to freeze it to skim. I know how to skim fat yeah. pretty easily, so I'm not scared of that. You just get a separator. You could, or you could just, you know, I don't know, I just know how to skim fat. Like, it's just fine. You just skim it with a spoon off yeah. the top. Yeah, I don't yeah. have any problems. I don't have any need for gadget on that, I think. You know? I do if I'm doing it in quantity, like a big soup like that. I'd probably run it through a degreaser. Really? Because mm-hmm. I kind of like to control it, because I do like to keep... A little bit? Yeah, yeah. and so sure. that's... My big thing is, like, I'd rather be in control of that, so... So there you go. That's those are my two. What's your next one? Okay, this is for all of you like dieter people out there right now for the month of January. There's a new wrap, and it's made with egg whites, and it is gluten free, and it's made with cage free eggs, and it is also full of protein. It has five grams of protein. Who is is it? It is called Egg Life. Oh, okay. And it's twenty five calories, and it looks and tastes like a tortilla. Have you tried so, it? Yes. So in the past, egg wraps have been kind of like a little puffier and more like the whites of an egg. This literally like seems very much in texture, in feel, it, just like a tortilla. 
And it has like not a lot of taste really. So it's mostly about being a vehicle. Okay. Um, I'm not eating these because I want to have the eggy taste on my sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, it's called Egg Life. They sell them at Target. They sell them at your stores. It's $4.99 for a package of wraps. But Does it taste someone- like gummy? I mean, like, is no, it like... it doesn't. It, it tastes it, like a tortilla. It tastes like a tortilla. It yep. looks kind of like a tortilla. Yep. So again, the egg wraps of the past were more like for eating like Asian food or because they were eggy. This is just more like a tortilla. Weird. So you could, it's giving you the opportunity to have sandwiches and wraps without the gluten. And it's it's grain free and dairy free. So if you're lactose yep. intolerant or you know if you're doing the, it's, I guess it's not vegan though. I guess that's true. No, it is eggs. Yeah, egg life. Egg life. Yeah. Okay. They're good. I would like to know what's in it besides egg. Just egg, xanthan gum, natural flavor, salt, and natural preservative. And a lot of people, you know, like, oh, guar gum, xanthan gum, all the gums. Is that a bad thing? Are people mad about gums? I mean, it's not natural, but you do need some stabilizers in a lot of these foods. So pick your poisons. (laughs) You know, you you can't have it all. If there's really only one, two, three, four, five things, and one of those is salt, and the other is egg whites, that means there's only three other things in there that are... And so that's fine with me. Like yeah. that's like that's way better than having like 60 things to balance each other 100%. out. 100%. When you're so, looking at gums yeah. and something has five ingredients or less and one of them is gum, I wouldn't be worried about it. Okay, so there's just me. six wraps and it's five bucks. And five grams of protein in each wrap. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. do it. All right, that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. my second. I just thought it was a good product. I bought it. I liked it. It tastes good. It doesn't taste like a giant puffy egg. No. No, and I think that's important. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. You guys, we're going to come back. We're going to talk. I think we're going to spend the next two segments talking about food trends yes. and and sort of things like that, which is kind of exciting to see what's coming and to think about what, uh, what we're going to be eating this year. So we'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish on My Talks 1071, brought to you by Knob Creek. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. We're excited to have Maker's Mark back as a sponsor for this year. I'm working on a recipe with something called Jim Beam Cream. Oh. Yeah, it's like a Irish cream made with yes. Jim Beam. That's well, that's how I make my Irish yes. anyway. So I don't so actually I'm use Irish whiskey in my that. Irish creams. So. Oh, see, Stephanie, you're so good. I know. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Working on that coming up. But one of the things that we didn't get to talk a lot about because we weren't on over the holiday was kind of food trends coming into the new year. And I'm excited to talk about them because something that, I mean, I'm not a big TikToker. I do have an account now. I've posted a couple things, but I'm still not super comfortable on that platform. And TikTok is really driving a lot of recipes. So in my future, I'm feeling like I need to figure this out. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I know. But if you had a cookbook coming out, you would do some TikTok videos too, friend. All right. So... The feta trend of the feta pasta was obviously driven by TikTok. Yep. Also, uh, Berea. Uh, the hype for it is apparently relentless and being mostly driven through TikTok again. Um, that is the sauce and the meat um, based in... It's uh, the Mexican uh, yes, sort of... Mexican it's cooking. The, the consomme where you dip. I had some last the other night. It was delicious. And the people are making quesadillas with it and yep. tacos Quesabria, and all kinds of which is the cheese on the inside of the shell. Another part of TikTok um, that blew up was cicadas and cooking with cicadas. 
Wow. And the Three Cricketeers, which is a local cricket company, they've got cricket um, snacks. They've got cricket chocolate. They've got these like goober clusters that are made with crickets. So if you're someone that's looking for crickets, uh, they would be a good uh, company to check out. It's uh, Three Cricketeers. Okay. Also, food trends to watch. We're still in TikTok land being driven to explore the four-way quesadilla wraps. Yeah, someone did a burger thing on it. Yes, I just saw it. And I thought, that's because then the cheese doesn't touch the burger. That was a fail for me. Have you ever tried to do the four-way quesadilla wrap? Yeah, I've done it. It's kind of a mess unless you do it where you do it on the flat iron or the, what are those press? A panini press or a George Foreman press. You kind of have to press it all together. Well, I've done it on the, yeah, no, I've just done it on a skillet, and I agree, it just depends on your ingredients, but it does get a little bit wonky as far as, you know, making sure that it's folded exactly and precisely, whereas for me, just doing a a quesadilla on a plain old, good old skillet and making it toasty on both sides and cheese is fine. Like it doesn't, but the weird thing about then the derivations where it's like, I'm going to put a burger in here and then I'm going to put cheese and pickles and whatever. But then when you fold it, the cheese doesn't touch the meat. So it's not like it doesn't melt into the meat and the cheese on the meat is the whole point. Um, Okay. So even more nostalgia, we're going to have more nostalgic recipes. So things like your grandma made jello molds or hearkening back to things that your family made is a trend. Um, and you're going to see that in things like espresso, mart- espresso martinis, Long Island iced teas, some of those old-fashioned cocktails coming back, some of the mixed creamy alcohol drinks like the squirrels. The 80s-era cocktails are yep. definitely, that's on a lot of trend lists that we're seeing. Here is something that you and I predicted. Dining out will be even more of an experience. So because we're dining out generally less, when we dine out, we want it to be more of an experience, more destination-focused, more... Of something that's just not, hey, I need to put food in my face. So what does that mean for you? Like, I mean, like when you're saying experience, are you saying like it's going to be themed? Like, do you, are you no. looking for like higher end of service? Probably. More yeah, service? I'll be going more for I'm going to go out for this event or this special night and I'm going to go to a place like Spoon and Stable. Or, or you're going to dress up for it. Yeah. And, and gonna... I'm not just going to be like, oh, I'm hungry. Where should we go to get a pizza? Right. It's more thought because... If you only eat out, like, you know, I was eating out five days a week. I'm not eating out five days a week anymore. I'm eating out like one or two. Yeah. And when I do, I don't want to just go have food that I fill my face with. I want it to be good and worth it and fun. Yeah. But more special, not even just good. I think the idea is that it should be that I think that the funny part is, is like before the pandemic, you know, we were all kind of talking about how fine dining was dying. Yeah. And I think fine dining is exactly what people are looking for. 100%. Now. So it's the experience of making it a dining event yes not you know necessarily like the food has to be good on all sides of things but it's like more of like it's the trappings i think that people are craving yep um to go and take out are still going to be around so that is not a trend that is going to be going away uh the resurgence of the dinner party now every year i feel like we say the resurgence of the dinner party so are we a broken record by saying the resurgence of the dinner party in one respect it is nice because you can have smaller groups over and with covid you know, you feel like you know more where your friends have been and maybe you're more trusting of that in a group setting. Also, just having a dinner party is like we're bringing we bring cards. We play cards a lot. Yeah. 
just think, kind of having a smaller gathering. I think there's something to say about every generation discovers the dinner party. And I think, you know, it's kind of like uh, everyone sort of. And I think that it was so we all tend to like say, like, we're bringing the dinner party back and we do. But I think this one specifically because of 22 has been the gathering thing where you have to kind of come back in stages that this stage is where we're at with like we can have people in our homes and, yep. and we enjoy that and we miss that. And we're not so. And I think that with people like the Allison Romans of the world coming into the space saying you don't have to have it be perfect and like making it more of about the experience and less about the Martha stewarding of things. I think that that's an important way that it has gained a lot of traction. Like more people are accepting that they can do a dinner party because there's less pressure. How do you feel about reduced terrianism, which is a food trend, which basically says people aren't quite going vegetarian or vegan, but they're aiming to eat less meat, dairy and eggs. Yeah. Remember the pegan? Yep. The pegans. This is what this is. This is paleo vegans. And so it's like it's like everybody is. I think that most people are not willing to give up completely and and also don't feel like they need to punish themselves. I think they think that if they make small moves, you can have as positive an effect. And so maybe they're thinking, I'm not going to, you know, it's like the meatless Mondays. You can go once a week. Right. And now it's sort of, because it's become more mainstream, I think people are deciding to pick and choose as they go through. Like maybe it's, it's you know, two days a week. And maybe it's, you know, maybe I just don't eat. But they're not forcing themselves into a hole or into a corner, I think. We'll still see the rise of spices. So spices kind of have been coming the last couple of years. Spices from Africa, spices from India, spices from Asia. Chili crisp is an example. We're still seeing that. Um, we're still seeing sambals. We're seeing different flavoring salts. Well, and those are, I mean, it's just our discovery of them or our realization that they are, you know, kind of trendy, something to be experienced. But of course, they've been around forever and it's not, you know, the, the interesting thing is trend. like it's the finding of it's sort of valuing those things by realizing, you know, opening up the other cultures and stuff, you know, and like realizing that there's more writers out there who are talking about the foods from their homelands and then them sharing those kind of experiences and those and those ingredients. And then, you know, people cap are kind of capitalizing on that, which is great. I yeah, think, so you that's know, a trend. Here's one that I'm all for. The term fusion cuisine cuisine historically has carried negative connotations. So they're now calling it a wave of new ethnic, multi-ethnic, borderless cuisines. Oh, is that, that the new way of saying it? embrace someone's identity and mixed race parents are reflecting diverse cultural influences. So I guess this means that if you're Asian, you can make a taco and you're not appropriating that culture because culture and food is so based in the mixed up melting pot of all of the people around us that are here, right? Yeah. So la, like they're calling it La Chinesca. Global influences from northern Mexico's Baja with Chinese-American flavors. Kimaka, which blends Japanese and Italian cuisines in crispy rice cake lasagna with sweet Italian sausage, spicy cabbage scallions, and provolone. Or they have an example from Armitage Alehouse in Chicago, which has British pub fare alongside Indian favorites like garlic and naan and chaat. I would like to just not call them names. I would like to just like have them be in exist and do the things and eat them and not have to put them into a marketing bubble. A bucket. We would like that because that's actually how people eat in the real world. All right, we're going to keep we're going to keep chatting. We have a couple more. We have the New York Times weighing in. We've got some other places. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're talking trends.
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. We are totally disseminating what you are going to be eating next year, maybe, or in the coming year, and how we're going to be cooking, what we'll be talking about, I guess. I don't know. Um, We're going to continue with our trend talk. I'm going to let you know that I think that the New York Times has a great roundup because I think what they did was they just looked at all the lists. Yeah. And they kind of came together and they said, this is what we sort of think. The global marketing research people, yada, yada. So they think that the ingredient of the year is mushrooms. Could be. That it was on a lot of prediction lists in almost all forms, um, but that... Uh, and this is true. We have mushroom growers in town. We have two that or three R&R different like, cultivation is it's got 15 crazy. different mushrooms and in you, your store right now. Yeah. And they are basically your, your whole chat with them. The idea is that you did a podcast, yeah. you did the makers, mm-hmm. right? So their, their whole idea is like, they're providing stuff for other people too. And it's restaurants like, it's and like, at Lunds and Byerly's and there's just more familiarity with cooking with mushrooms too, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as an easy way of giving something in. Um, also, you know that they are being grown to do compostable packaging, which I think is also the next, like a, like a sustainable compostable packaging. Love it. I know. I love this. Okay. They think that the dream of the year or the drink of the year um, are 1980s drinks. So the same thing that we were just talking about. They're looking, they're saying, look for Blue Lagoons, Tequila Sunrises, Long Island Iced Tea, Amaretto Sours, all that kind of stuff. All good for our age group because those are the drinks we barfed on. I know. That's, that's why I was so <laughs> I am not know if I'm feeling it as much. Slow gin fizz, sure. I know, but there's there and there's they're pegging it as we need things that are sweet and colorful, joyful and playful. Sure. Okay. So this is again, and like the next generation will discover it. I did make some uh, <laughs> some um, gosh some white Russians for some people. Oh over the yeah. Break. So there's that. Um, they're loving your chicken. They're saying, but they're saying that's a trend. But this is the interesting piece, and I want to kind of know what you think about this. The meat grown or the lab grown meat is coming by the end of the year, probably. They'll probably get FDA approval by the end of the year, and chicken will be the first thing. So, as we're talking about shortages on chicken, which we did earlier in the show, I'm wondering how that's going to drive the interest in lab grown chicken. I don't know. Um,. I'm not big on genetically modified things in general. Well, it's not even genetically modified. It's grown. Right. Like it's literally started from cells. And it's going to be interesting. Here's the deal. I do think that, okay, so KFC is about to put out the first, like the first major uh, vegan chicken, like from beyond. I think it's impossible chicken is going into KFC buckets. They're they're launching it up for a limited time to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the meat... A lot of the uh, the purveyors right now have done a good job. Stock and Spade, for instance, mm-hmm. their fake chicken is pretty good. I mean, I we, thought it was all right. We have the Irby Butcher doing entire buckets of chicken locally. Yep. So I don't know if people are going to be ready, if it's already that good, to take that next step to something that was never, that is not plants, nor, I mean, that it's completely grown from cells of a chicken. I don't know. So I then don't is know. it meat? Huh? Is it meat? That's the question. There's a lot of philosophical questions around this. Is it? Is it not? Well, and it's the same philosophical questions of should we be growing humans or organs or all of the things. But it's interesting to think that real world chicken is having a shortage. And then this is the time when things are coming into the lab area. So thinking about that, we're going to have to have that discussion as we go. Uh, Seaweed. They believe seaweed is uh, kelp 
It grows fast. Mm-hmm. It stands up to a nutritional profile, removes carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and nitrogen from the ocean. So it's going to be, people are going to be moving towards kelp uh, pastas and having it be in salsas. And, and what does kelp give you nutritionally? Is it like vitamin D? Um, does it say? I, yeah, there is some like massive. No, it's like it's a it's like a superfood in the way of yep. intensity of the nutrition. But my thing is that it is. Uh, gosh, when I was in Wales, there's seaweed in everything over yeah. there, and that's because they have it and they're going to use it. And yep. I thought, okay, and I loved it actually. I thought it was great. Um, they're also talking nostalgia for candy, which is like white rabbit candy uh, from China. Labats, yeah. <laughs> Um, there's <laughs> Apollo straws. I don't know. I don't know how they're saying nostalgic childhood favorites from China. They're saying like the nostalgic China, uh, Asian candies are coming over. Hmm. I know. Okay. Um, they're also thinking that the food, the third wave coffee movement, which, uh, yeah. was built on Arabica beans. Um, the climate change is threatening production. And, um, so they're talking Robusta is a bitter, heavily caffeinated workhorse, less expensive to grow and easier to cultivate. So you're going to see more Robusta coffee beans. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Yep. Don't you think? And the third wave of coffee follows along with like the third wave of beer and the third wave of distilling. Yeah. It's all in. Just always moving that industry forward. Um, I kind of love the idea of Tasty Tableware, the... Edible spoons, chopsticks, plates, bowls, and cups. This is kind of going in the mushroom thing. But there's also like these oat, these the way that they make into oat uh, cups and spoons. Where you can like, they're, st- they're sturdy, but they can also be compostable or you can eat them. Okay, I have a weird feeling about those. Do you? Not, I mean, it's great. If you want me to compost them, great. But I don't think I'm going to eat my I don't think I'm going to eat any eat my spoon. My coffee cup. Yeah, nope. I'll be happy to put it in a compost pile yeah. for a pig to eat or someone else, but this cup, this cup fee limited has edible wafer cups that stay crunchy and cool long enough for you to finish a morning coffee. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to be eating my cup. I don't know. I'm okay who, with it. Who cares? Yeah. It's not going to taste good. It's going to taste. <laughs> no, it's like going to taste like a, a weird, weird wafer. wafer. Yeah, and then if it doesn't, it's. I would be worried that it's going to influence the flavor of the coffee, which I don't want your wafer in my coffee. I don't just want your wafer. I know. Well, I'm, but I am interested if it is a, like yeah, compostable. Compost, sure, Great. feed animals. Do, do something else. Right. So they're saying that the mashups of spicy and sweet and salty are having a new linguistic. Uh, it's a benefit moment. Basically, they're saying mashups like spicy and salty. I like those. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you really? I do. I made some Brussels sprouts that you, you had lime, spicy. chili, yeah, mint. And cilantro, and boy, were they good. Yeah. Like that just coolness of the mint with yeah. the spicy, and then they were salty because they had a little umami. Oof, yeah, I'm but all for it. But the nicknames is Swicy and Swalty. Yeah. You're saying Swicy. We have Swass. We, I hope I don't, we but I mean, <laughs> Why I not? think Swicy is sort of one of those weird, like, you'd be like, what did what did you say? Swicy is like when you have, I make these um, pecan honey maple pecan that you have a little salt or a little cayenne when you finish them and then they harden. Yeah. I love that. It's like when gochujang, they said when gochujang and ketchup go together. Like, it's like a that sweet becomes and spicy. Then spicy. That became mama sauce, which I love. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I love that. No, I'm all for that. Okay. Uh, they're saying that uh, flavor of the year is hibiscus, which feels really old to me. Kind of feels three years ago. Yeah. They're saying Yuzu has its fans, but even money is on hibiscus, which is adding crimson hue and tart earthy flavors to everything from cocktails to sodas to crudos 
to yogurt. It is when you when you're in Mexico and I'm going there again, and the, our the lady that cooks for us, Sonora is her name. Yeah, it's imp- it's impressive how much she gets hibiscus into every dish. Yeah, and for me, I don't. It's less like as long as it doesn't get into that sweet space. You know what I mean? Like Which you it does can hear. I know this is the problem. Americans use it because in the bitter, it's very bitter yeah. in in Mexico, yeah. and it's used almost like a flavoring agent in salad dressings and. Yeah. Just I just a hope, more of a bitter. Right. So I kind of almost wish that people would, maybe we can learn mm-hmm. a little bit more on that one. Um, they're saying that the focus on India is going to be big in 2022. Regional foods from India will get a lot of attention. Deep dishes on, uh, you know, the regions of the area. So that's interesting. Raghavan is working on a book that I think he's just turned in. So we'll get yeah. that in the next year. That'll be wonderful. Um they're saying, I love this. The vibe of the year is to be nice. <laughs> they're well, saying we're as all being so horrible, supply chain and tatters, restaurants and staff are stretched nearly to the breaking point, demanding shoppers and diners are out. Patience is in. So patience is the vibe of the year. We had the man in the New York Times having a fit at the, some cheese counter in Minnesota yeah, about not having the cheese. I People know. are melting down in ways that are unprecedented. Yes, of course they are. And it's and again, I think what was interesting to me was the idea of them saying, you know, someone looking at the guy and going, this is not about the cheese. It's never about the cheese. It's never about it's the taken, mask. It's never about it's so much more than but that. But I think it's taken us being in this space for so long, including myself. I've had my own outbursts mm-hmm. that now it feels like I'm getting to the empathy side of that outburst both for myself and giving myself some grace but also with others yes because i'm like okay it has been a really long time that we've been living in this altered existence i think everybody's feelings i think honestly i i'm hoping that and you know we were just talking about how you're kind of a lot of people are sick of cooking too you know and they're like there's a couple great essays out there from food writers who are like i don't i'm don't i'm sort of over everything that was my number one podcast which one? Uh, the one I did with my friend Miles about sick are you sick of cooking. Yeah. That was what it was called. Yeah. It, it's just, it's crazy that all of all the stuff I covered this year, that was the number one. Yeah. Well, cooking. I think a lot of people are feeling like we, and because I think we tend to, this is a weird idea, but the idea that we are putting everything out there as well. So we have a couple things. We're coping and we're cooking because we need to cope and because we're it's nourishing, but because we also need to talk about ourselves and talk about it and put it out there and put things in and make it part of our identity in a lot of ways. A lot of people are. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying that that's a big piece of this. Like, oh, I'm cooking this and all this. That that is exhausting more than just eat. It's like a double exhaustion because you can't keep reinventing and restating and re putting that out there and also nourishing yourself. I think. Yeah, please and don't so, stop cooking until after my cookbook comes out this yeah, month. <laughs> but you can stop that, cooking next year. No, but I and I think that you know everyone is gonna you just refine different ways of it, right? I mean, like you don't really stop. I mean, we've been on the air for how long? You know, 13 years. years now. So I don't really think that it's about, you know, losing it. But I do think you need to take those notes and those breaks and you need to take an audit and like what's too much and what's enough. Do you have any food goals for this year? Because we always talk about our big food goals. Um, I not yet. Not yet. Maybe next beef week. Wellington on my list. Yeah, I did that for Christmas. So I'm good. I got a homemade pasta. Yeah, I, I, I did that this week. <laughs> okay. I made. Uh, yeah, I did that this week. I made um, ravioli. So those are my two things. Okay. All right. Um, Let's take a break and we'll come back and we will wrap up the show with a lot of fun stuff. Okay. We'll be right back. This is a weekly dish. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. It was a fun, we've had a good day of talking about trends and looking forward and thinking, you know, of good things to come. 
Um, and uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm hopeful. Let me just say this. Like, I'm rolling into 2022 with hopefulness. If we want to talk about, it's not my word. I'm not using a word. But I think, you know, the idea of I'm always about expansion and not contraction. I don't want to cut more things, especially since I feel like we've been contracted for a couple of years right, now. Naturally. Yeah. So I feel like I'm hopeful for, I'm hopeful that we're going to get out of this pandemic this year. I feel like we're going to finally come into the clear and hopefully we can have some of the great things that are popping up. That's very hopeful. I know. I said, and then I think it's also because I just wrote a whole uh, magazine story, which will be the cover story for uh, February. Um, Just giving you guys a little bit sneak peek is the idea that we're, there's a lot of new things happening on the dining scene that are rooted in change because of the pandemic. Sure. So like people doing cool new things because of it and actually, yeah, then we'll come out of it and have learned some things and yeah, well, it's yeah. just, it's changed us. It has changed us. And so hopefully we can change along with it. You know, the restaurant industry can change along with it and then get better. Yeah. You know, I think too, I guess for me, cause I've been so entrenched in cooking. Yeah. I'm looking forward cause the book was turned in. I turned in the book December 22nd. Okay. And that was a real relief and just like, oh, and then I thought like I'd be done wanting to cook anything. And then right away I felt like cooking again, of course, which was so funny to me because I was like feeling like, oh, I'm so overcooking. And then as soon as it wasn't cooking for the book anymore, it was like, oh, I really have this pumpkin sitting here and I want to make pumpkin curry. Yeah. And so I think I'm going to probably be spending the next year cooking again. I don't know. Yeah. Just feels better and feels more. Not like I have to, more like I want to. Right, right. Which is different. So Totally different. And I, I feel like my relationship to dining is going to be different. You do. I do. I have been a huge eater, a huge eat-outer, and I just feel like I will be more intentional. And some of that will include more fast casual, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe more the kind of fast casual that isn't just like, again, feeding your face because you need to have calories more intentional about like wanting to eat. Do you feel like you were that? Cause I don't think I don't feel like that was part of your, I think I, we would go out to eat a lot because it was just like entertainment and we needed to eat. But you think you won't do that? I don't think I will as much, but part of it also is proximity. I used to live in Selby Dale. We could go a million places and it was super easy to just pop in at red cow or pop in at the happy gnome. We're not popping in. It has to be more intentional because we have to drive everywhere. Because you used to walk to Happy Nome. Yeah, or just, it was close. Like, we could just drive down the street. Now to go anywhere, I kind of need to drive. Really? And I still have not explored the West Metro in the way that I need to. I was going to say, you're you're still... You, I was, but I mean, it was hard. You moved in a pandemic. So how would you even yeah, start to? It's just been... Uh, Nats, Fat Nats is near my mm-hmm, house. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. I like a good breakfast place. Oh, yeah. Um, I went to a wonderful Thai place that was over in, like, New Brighton. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just really kind of exploring new areas. Yeah. But I'm excited about that. I do feel I did, uh, embark on to kind of cleaning up my eating, drinking a little bit less just because COVID was scary. I didn't want to have long-term COVID situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people, I got a lot of questions from people asking me if I was doing dry January, just friends, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, are you doing dry January? And my answer is always no, it's my birthday month. <laughs> so no. Um, but also I don't do I don't do that. I don't go in these big swaths. I'd rather like, I'd rather 
sort of watch my metrics on a weekly basis. I think people think you drink more than you actually do. I think do, so, too. And I probably drink more than, well, I know I drink more than you do. Yeah, I drink you more do. than most That's people. That's the best part. People do think that I'm yeah, just like. Yeah, because you have the huge bar. Right. And, but and, I, and I do post drinks when I do because I, yeah. because I, because I love them and because I love drinks. But that doesn't mean that I'm. As she's sitting there in her the very cute Maker's Mark hat. I know, I know. Well, I do love the bourbon, and that is part of my identity. I get that, but I also don't like. You know, I mean, I don't think I had a drink last night. We had, I had a beer, and then at, before, after you left, I had an old fashioned. Um, as I was sitting there chatting, and then that was like, wow, I that was I don't after the old fashioned that I had earlier that week. That was all I drank that week. Yeah, like that's usually it's like the same way of like. You know, I don't, I'm not eating foie gras every night, but I will, when I do, it's like a very appreciative moment of it. I think we didn't talk about this as a trend, but I do think the old fashioned is going to continue to have a moment because I think supper club type dining and cozy, comforty is still going to be on trend for the next year. And they're the, the Boulevardier, the old fashioned, some of the just heartier brown liquors yeah i think brandy's finally gonna have a moment yeah i think think it's finally gonna come back a little bit more and i mean we've talked about it and it's kind of it's a little bit more expensive and it's a little bit more um you know it's a little bit less understood and so it's i think people are let's do a whole segment on brandy we could we absolutely could we could have actually we could have a couple people call in on it you know what i mean yeah yeah I'm all for it. I was sad because Marvel Bar was a great brandy spot. Mm-hmm. They would bring in all sorts of brandies and have different. It was sort of that dark and dreamy. It was just different levels. And they brought they brought some really great ones. And there's a French brandy that I super love that I can't remember the name of, but they always had it. It was so great. I wonder, because uh, Pip Hansen is somewhere else now, but I can't remember where well, he is. Well, he's at Keeper's Heart. He's at Shaughnessy. Oh, Shaughnessy. Okay. So he's not going to be doing, unless they Brandies. make brandy. Yes. Unless they decide to distill some, but no, he'll just be doing whiskey over there because it is a distillery. But um, yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, like, and I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of things that are coming that'll kind of surprise us, I think, too. Like, I, we're feeling comfortable in our old fashioned space, but, you know, I think there's some interesting things coming. I think I, Baiju is coming, like, Big time. I don't everybody. know what that is. Exactly. It's the it's the uh it's the Chinese sort of spirit that is everywhere but not here yet. What does it taste like? It's pretty sharp. Is it white or bitter? It is clear. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Like almost like a chartreuse or no, no, I'll bring it and we'll talk about it so that we don't mischaracterize okay. it, but I'll bring we'll have a whole segment on it. Because actually there's some people who are doing Baiju right now. Um I think Meteor has one. Maybe we'll see. I still liked those meteor um, ready to drink cocktail mixes, the Bifrost, and I drank yes. a lot of that over the holidays. Did you really? Well, that was so easy to pour. Right? It was, and well, I was sick. So, <laughs> and ready to pour is going to be a big thing too. I think more and more people are going to be doing these bottled cocktails and canned cocktails mm-hmm. as we go forward because it's just easier. As soon as the canning thing gets, you know, figured out in the bottling thing with the supply chain stuff. Those are two very big factors in what happens this year. Vicre has the Briar. Which is a like a aperol kind of spritzy. They have the Briar, they have the Frenchie, which is like a French seventy five, and they have what the name of the other one is. I can't remember the name of it. It's got a porcupine on it though. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. Well, and you know, like uh, Dash Fire, he's got those cute little he does little mini cans, lavender martinis, delicious. The old fashioned. He's got are a whole good. line of those. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Yeah. No, right. I think there's a lot of those that are coming too. Um, 
just to let you guys know, a couple of the other things that happened over the break, besides Creekside Supper Club opening, uh, we talked about that. We didn't talk about that Lush actually opened. Yes. And Betty and Earl's, obviously, with their biscuit-loving menu. It's a great place. Have you eaten there? Did no, you Have you gone yet? yet? We should go after this show sometime or or go and, you know, kind of sit down and, and have a have a hang you know free house has the patio and sauna experience that yes, they're doing that is sponsored by makers mark i think oh um so you can book a sauna from january 14th through march 27th you it's 109 dollars, and you get to have a traditional wood-fired sauna as well as the seasonal ice sauna it's made of ice yeah so minnesota you can ice keep made going in there it. yeah and then they're having a community sauna that's going to be sundays <clears throat> at 6 p.m and that'll be $39. And they've got hot stone experiences. So this is all happening at um I will house. say that I have a weirdness to think about like sweating with your friends at a bar. You know what I mean? Like I don't. there's a little strangeness to that. Like I don't mind it like on the private, but like <laughs> we own a sauna, so I'm sweated with everybody and my husband. But like in public, like out there, like to you're gonna go to sauna. a bar. I mean, I yeah, I'm his for butt it. Sweat gets. I just the day that he came into Julia and her ex husband Bill's sauna and was fully naked and went to the top shelf and sat in between them, like literally snuggled down in between them, was just. It was epic, Kurt. Okay, and that's how we're going to end the show. That's with right. Kurt naked in the sauna. Yep. Have a good one this week, you guys. Ciao, ciao.